So one of the jobs of a, a community rabbi is, is sort of to be the front line um, for a lot of people's issues and problems, personal problems they deal with. Uh, we spend a lot of the week counseling um, and working uh, with individuals who are experiencing issues in their lives. And a lot of times we realize, and we, this is an extremely important part of a rabbi, is to say when it's above our head. Uh, when we see that people are having true um, psychological issues that need to be handled by a professional and it's a sacred duty we uphold, a sacred responsibility to say what the sages said are the most important words, I don't know, okay? And we try then to send them to a counselor, a therapist, uh, some, somebody who can, who can, who's a professional at this and has studied this. Um, and I will say this, if you, if you have a psychologist or therapist you go to or you know um, that has, has, has done great or you are one of those people, please let us know because we need more reference numbers, okay? Marriage counselors, um, psychologists, therapists, we need them all. Remember, Rabbi Rachel and I are new in the area, so if you know someone good, um, let us know. Trust me, we'll get them business. It's, it's going to be good. Um, so I, but recently I called up a venerable institution, and I asked, um, uh, a congregant needed a, a particular counselor, um, and uh, so I was calling up, and I, I tried to, to get them a counselor, and I was so excited, I finally found the perfect counselor, it's going to be great, get the help they needed, and what did the counselor tell me? It's great, we'll be able to help them, book it 12 months in a year. That's the next availability. What? That's the next availability? A year? Come on, there's someone suffering in this world who needs actual, real help. In this country, we take therapy very, very seriously. Okay, psychologists and therapists are absolutely essential for those who need it, okay? And that was an unacceptable answer to me. It was unacceptable. And of course, obviously this is a systematic issue. I'm not going to solve it single-handedly here. Um, but I, I was reading then the other day, and of course I was reading my favorite, um, my favorite news magazine, uh, The Atlantic. Uh, if, you, if you haven't read it or if you haven't perused it before, it's, it's incredible. It's been here since the early 1800s and trying to define American thought, American philosophy, American issues, what it means to be an American. Uh, I just love this magazine and it helps us remember what's so great about being an American. It has incredible articles in it. And the, the, the front page article, and then it was um, uh, put in a podcast as well, was from this um, uh, uh, Cornell uh, uh, psychopharmacologist um, who's head of psychopharmacology at Cornell. Um, and he basically talked about the systematic issue that is going on um, within this country right now, is that there are so many people going to therapy and there are not enough psychologists and therapists to serve them. And this wasn't a problem before. One, it wasn't a problem because unfortunately going to a therapist was seen and stigmatized in this country. Um, and thank God it, that's becoming less and less of a problem. But there's also another curious problem that he was pointing to. He said more and more people are going to therapists and psychologists paying thousands and thousands of dollars for clinicians who are meant to um, heal people from you know, really bad um, psychological maladies for extremely normal problems. You know, I, I broke up with my girlfriend and I'm upset, so I'm going to, you know, go to a psychologist. Or even more, I, 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 just to go to a psychologist as a constant thing, even though there's no psychological disease, there's no problem um, that you have, um, but you're going to continue to go to a psychologist because it's like going to the gym or something like that. You've got to stay in shape. 
And because of that, he, he theorizes is, is the reason why, and of course he has some scientific research to back this up, um, is why there is such a shortage of psychologists for people who really need it, right? People with uh, bipolar disease and people, uh, depression and, and, and all the different um, psycho psychological maladies you can have can't get appointments at psychologists um, because they're being filled up um, uh, by tons and tons of people who are just dealing with normal everyday issues that are painful and hard. He talks about this idea that more and more normal pain that, is, that, that people are dealing with, um, they don't just talk about as it's painful that I broke up with my girlfriend, but I'm traumatized because I broke up with my girlfriend. I'm never going to be the same. I need to go and, 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 and uh, go to a psychologist and be healed by them um, and, and get medicine to treat my normal maladies. And less and less as human beings, we're capable of dealing with these everyday pains and struggles that we've all dealt with for thousands of years, right? And for me, that hit me so strongly because one of the reasons that he said that that was the case was because more and more people in this country have stopped going to church, they've stopped going to synagogue, they've stopped going to mosque. We're seeing these numbers um, um, go down more and more and more. And what these places do, he said, was give people help for those normative issues that are going on. They, one, give the importance of community, right, of being together in community, Right, which is so important. A lot of these people, he, he, in his research, he said that we're going to psychologists not because anything was wrong with them, but because it was part of their normal everyday life. Was saying, I go to my psychologist because that's my friend. That's the only that's the only person I speak to in my life. I don't actually know anybody else. I'm not friends with anybody else in my life. And and he said, that's what synagogue's supposed to do. It's supposed to have community, that you come here, you sit at Kiddush, you talk to actual people, you meet new people, you be in community together and have those normal conversations that are so to be in relationship. And number two, that people would go and look to religion for to handle the everyday pains and struggles that they faced in their lives. That by going to synagogue and being very active in a synagogue and in their faith, studying their faith and being, doing the rituals of their tradition, it helped them through the pains and struggles of normal life. I mean, we could all say this when it comes to mourning, right? Incredible what our tradition does in terms of avelut, in terms of mourning. Now psychologists have come forward and said, wow, how did the Jewish people know for 2,000 years exactly, psychologically, what someone needs when they're mourning for their loved one? doesn't make it easy, God forbid. It's extremely painful and hard, but it helps them get through this extremely painful and difficult time. Bar mitzvahs, uh, all, all these different things, all of our different rituals help people get through the normal pains of life. It helps them. And more importantly, what it does is it's proactive. The difference with therapy is you go, something hurts you, you go to the doctor, right? Something, something is in pain, something is going wrong, then you go to the doctor. Something psychologically is going wrong, then you go to the psychologist. But synagogue and spiritual life is proactive. Before anything's wrong, the spiritual life and our religions set ourselves up so that we can handle this world. It's not easy. It's not easy living. It's hard. We all know it's a struggle. And religion helps us deal with these problems in life. 
So more and more people are paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars when they can be coming to synagogue and becoming the church, they can dig deeply into their spiritual tradition to help them out. And thank God there are also thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are also digging into their tradition and finding that truth out as well. And that comes to us. In our synagogue today, in, in Jewish tradition, we study today the clothing of the priest. And you might look at the clothing of the priest and you might say, why all this fancy clothing? Why the bougie clothing? I didn't know God was so bougie. Okay? What's, you don't know the expression bougie? Ask a millennial, okay? Ask your nearby millennial or Gen Z person, they'll tell you what bougie means. Fancy, right? Fancy clothing, okay? What is this deal? God's beyond image? God's beyond picture? What the, what's, what's going on with this? Why is all this clothing? Why all this? Especially to put on a human being, right? If you're going to have special clothing, it's not elevating a human being like that. Why, why all this fancy clothing? Why, why, is, why is Judaism so materialistic, right? It's one thing if we make a beautiful tabernacle for God to dwell in, but then the next parsha is about the fancy clothes the priest wears? Come on, guys. A whole parsha about that? Well, the clue comes to us in one of the, the less studied tractates of the Gemara, uh, uh, Tractate Zvachim. Uh, tractate Masechet Zvachim is all about the Masechet of sacrifices. It details all the laws about sacrifices. And towards on the 88th page, you have to really cut deep through into the tractate, you get to this unbelievable teaching. Basically, the rabbis say that the clothing of the priests, Mechaper Avonot, what the clothing of the priests did was that it atoned for their transgressions. And you might say, what clothing atones for your transgressions? What is it, atone for being ugly? No, no, right? What is, what, what, what is going on here? And then they go point out, and they actually, these rabbis, they go through every single article of clothing that the priest was commanded to wear and points out which transgression that it's atoning for. Right? That the, the reason that the person wore this big hat was it, it atoned for brazenness. It atoned for brazenness. And the reason that they wore the breastplate with the stones on it that said all the different names of the Jewish people, is so that they can say they can know that this wasn't about them. It's about the Jewish people. Right? The reason that they wore their sash along their waist is to atone for sexual sins and, and lewd thoughts. It helps them be psychologically healthy because a Kohen can't stand and serve in the Beit HaMikdash without being a good person without being a psychologically trying or at least striving to be a psychologically healthy person. That each of these clothing items that we look at and say, what, what's the point of that sash? Why don't they wear that silly clothing? Actually symbolizes their atonement for their transgressions. Because God, and, and if, a, if a Kohen does not wear those clothing inside the Beit HaMikdash, even though they're a, a son of Aaron, even though they're a Kohen, and even though they did all the rituals correctly, and they did the sacrifices correctly, if they're not wearing their clothing, it's a very bad punishment. It's very bad. Actually, the Talmud says they're not even Kohanim. If they're going inside, if they're not wearing, when, when a Kohen is not wearing their clothing, they are not Kohanim. doesn't matter that they're children. It's an unbelievable topic. It's an unbelievable idea. And what it's supposed to teach is that a Kohen is nothing if they're not a good person in this world, if they're not struggling and striving to be psychologically healthy people, to be good people in this world, if Judaism doesn't make us good, then it's nothing. 
then it's absolutely nothing. I don't care about how many cheeseburgers you choose not to eat. And I want to extend that. I think that Judaism, not just to close the priests, but everything we do, everything we do in Judaism is a reaction against a, a destructive, normal tendency of man. We're about to enter the Purim holiday, right? Stories be all about the fact that the Jewish people were about to be destroyed, everything was going to fall over, and nafoch, everything turned around, and the Jewish people were able to save themselves. Purim story is supposed to teach us that even in the darkest moments, we have the ability to turn things around. Why? Because human beings naturally think when things are going wrong that the life is falling apart. And Purim's supposed to spiritually remedy for that and show us that actually we can fix ourselves, that we can actually turn ourselves around, that we as human beings are capable of turning our lives around with God's help. To fill in. Why do we put these leather boxes on our heads and our arms? Sure, it's because God told us so, but a secondary and important reason for it is that many times people think that this, the, one of the big problems why people do terrible things is this, our strength, our physical bodies are not connected to this, our heads. Okay, and what does tefillin symbolize when we put it on? It's the connection between this and this. Okay, talus. Okay, why do we put on taluses? It's because God said so, of course. But secondarily, secondarily, it's because the talus represents God's presence in our lives. And many people think what God's presence is all about is that God somehow, at some point magically, this cloud of glory just descends on you. You just walk through it. And you like swim in God, okay? Like some mystical experience. That's not the Judaism I know. The talus says that what the ikar, the essence of the garment is, is the tzitzit. And what do the tzitzit symbolize? The righteous actions we do in this world, the mitzvot we do, the masim tovim. If you want God to dwell with you in this world, where does God dwell? God dwells in the good actions we do in this world. It, it's, it, and that is a fix. That is a remedy for human beings who think that we can have spirituality without being good people in this world. Okay? Every single mitzvah teaches us something and helps us get beyond our natural destructive tendencies that every human being has in this world. That's the essence. That's the beauty of Judaism. And that's the beauty of a good religion is it helps us to become better people just by doing it. And sure, we'll still need psychologists and therapists to go. We really, some people, we do really need help and then you should go and go to a professional who can do that. But so many of these normative things can be helped if we just practice our religion. If we take our mitzvot seriously, if we take observance seriously, if we take our Torah seriously, we can actually become better people proactively before we go into a horrible state and we hit rock bottom and then we need to seek out professional help. Okay? <sighs> Only if we take it seriously. The priests wore clothing but that clothing was actually the mitzvot they did, the good actions they did in this world. Judaism can be the clothing that we wear that protects us from the transiencies of life, the suffering that we face, and help us go through that struggle to be better people, to be the people that God wanted of us in this world, people that are loving, people that are caring, that are people that are other-oriented. People who are working to build this world, not just bathe in chaos. 
May we all merit to wear those priest's clothing and serve in our own tabernacles one day. And more and more may we merit to dig into our tradition so that it can truly help us thrive in life. And may those who need help, who need real professional help, please, please may they have the strength to get the help they need to. And God, may there be more therapists in this country and psychologists in this country to help those in need. Shabbat shalom, everybody.